All right, if you have your Bibles, um, be finding the book of Habakkuk. And uh, since that will probably take a while to find, let me introduce myself and make one quick announcement as, again, it's, it's in your Bible, I promise. It's just in that part that never gets uh, looked at. Um, but uh, the, first, I need to make a quick announcement. Um, there's been a lot of renovations going on in the sanctuary. I'm not sure if you're on social media um, or seen an email, but tons of renovations going on right now. And with the renovations, um, with all the, the sanding and the cutting, lots of dust, tons of it. And uh, we have a, a worship service on Sunday morning. So, so if you're available on Saturday from like 9 to 12, 9 in the morning to 12 or somewhere in that time zone, we need like 10 people to help wipe off dust. Um, and if you're interested at all, Brent, who's like right there, um, just to find him if you're interested at all. Um, also, um, just to introduce myself, my name is Kyle Jacobson. And the reason I feel like I need to introduce myself is because I've been here for five years uh, on staff, almost five years now. And uh, this is my, my first time here in this room on a Wednesday night outside of like a gumbo setting. This, this is the first time during a, a school year normal Wednesday night that I find myself in this room. The reason for that is my number one responsibility is to contain children from ages 11 to 14 in the opposite end of the church. So your experience in here will be much more delightful and more worshipful. Um, I take them away from here and just contain them down there. We don't know, nothing great really happens. We just contain them and uh, I get patted on the back for it. Uh, but so I'm a junior high youth minister here and Love my job. Love that age group. It's a, it's a unique age. They're really starting to learn some big things, struggle with big things. Still a trace of sweetness. It's disappearing, but there's a trace. Um, they're very impressionable, very, uh, still very moldable. So it's just, it's just a wonderful opportunity to uh, minister to that age group. Anyway, our text again tonight is Habakkuk 3 verses 16 through 19. And Habakkuk is a wonderful book. It's, this is a very, very wonderful text. I love this text. And the reason I was drawn to this text is for some reason this year, more than any other year that I've been here at Grace, I've just seen much more tragedies and, and, and sadness and, and death and, and, and just suffering. Um, and because of that, I've just been drawn to this text. I love this text. And, and I felt the, um, God leading me to this text for this night. So we need to have this, this little passage in our arsenal as we deal with hardships and trials and, and suffering. So just know that. Um, again, Habakkuk 3, we're starting in verse 16, reading through verse 19. Follow along in your copies of God's word. This is God's word. So, so let's pay careful, careful attention to it. It says this in verse 16. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places to the choir master with stringed instrument. Let's pray one more time and we'll discuss this text. Um, Father, would 
your word be spoken truly and accurately, would you be glorified? Would we receive it and be doers and not hearers only? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so again, this is a wonderful Wonderful book. I love the book of Habakkuk because it just, it deals with raw and real issues. Like some of the hardest questions and issues we have in life. Habakkuk deals with it. I mean, it's raw. It's real. And so in order for us to really track with Habakkuk and get the full weight of this text that we just read, I'm going to ask you to allow your mind to go to a, to, to a place that, that, that's not comfortable. Um, to, to, to let your mind dwell on things that, that we love to push aside and we don't want to think about because they're painful and they're scary. But I'm going to ask your mind to go to these places again so we can feel the weight of this text and to kind of feel where Habakkuk is. For some of you, this might be pricking at, at scabs, emotional scabs that you have. And again, I, that's not my goal. I'm not trying to hurt you or, or, or make you feel just depressed, but this is heavy. What we're talking about tonight, it's not fluffy. It's not light. It's heavy. And so in order to, to track with Habakkuk, we've got to allow our minds to go to places that are just very uncomfortable, very unsettling, um, very difficult. And so, so I'm asking you to just allow your mind to go to the place where, where, you, where you receive either news or an update or something happens and it just, just it's, it's completely life-altering, life-changing. Something happens and it just, it's just pain that, that knocks you completely off your feet, Maybe you've been there, maybe you haven't been there, maybe you're there right now, but, but imagine a, a, the doctor com- comes into the room and he looks you in the eye and says, it's cancer. Or you get the call early in the morning about a child that, that's been found dead or your brother that's been found dead. Or you get the call, there's been a horrible accident. You need to come to the hospital immediately. Or you make a routine checkup with your unborn child and, and the doctor says, I can't find a heartbeat. Or your company is making cutbacks and, and your boss comes in and says, I'm, I'm sorry, you, we, we've got to let you go. These are just some of the situations in the five years that I've been here, just some of them that I've seen, that I've walked with people through. Hard, hard situations. Situations, moments that we can't help but cry out to God, what are you doing? What are you doing? How could this happen? Maybe again, you've been there. But again, Habakkuk is there right now in this text. Or maybe allow your minds to go to the moments where you struggle with God's inactivity. You know, evil and wickedness is just all around us. And, and there may be, is there not a moment that some of us just have to cry out, God, God, where are you? God, do you not care? Do you not see wickedness triumphing, wickedness prevailing, wickedness all around us? Do you not care? Do you not see? The guy who's cheating is the one who got my promotion. What, what's up with that? Or, or my marriage is falling apart. God, where are you? Or my child who has been sweet and kind and obedient for 11 years of their life. 
all of a sudden now is, is turned a corner and they're running hard and fast the opposite direction. God, do you not care? Where are you? What are you doing? Or maybe suffering mentally or, or physically or emotionally for years and there's no relief in sight. God, God, why aren't you acting? Why don't you care? Or maybe you desired kids for years and you're seeing kids all around you. People who don't even want them have them. What about me? God, where are you? Do you care? These are the real and raw, raw questions that Habakkuk's dealing with. And because we picked up at the end of the book, at the end of a chapter, I got to quickly, quickly give us a brief, brief and broad overview of Habakkuk. What's going on? Who is Habakkuk and what's his situation? Because I'm telling you, these, this place is where Habakkuk is in, in this text. And so Habakkuk, he's a prophet in, in Judah. And, and, and um, you know, Israel's been divided. He's a prophet in Judah. And, and Judah's in a, a horrible, horrible situation. They are, they are in this horrible moral decline. Josiah is dead. And they are, I mean, they are declining fast. They have the foot, uh, the, the, the throttle to the floorboard, and they're going hard and fast in this darn, downward spiral. And Habakkuk sees all around him. He sees it all around him. And, and so chapter one, what Habakkuk is, Habakkuk is a dialogue between God and Habakkuk. That's the whole book. And so in chapter one, Habakkuk cries out to God, um, God, where are you? What are you doing? Do you, do, you, do you not see what's going on all around us? Wickedness is all around us. Do you not care? How long, O oh God, until you act? He says, violence, violence is all around. The law is paralyzed. Justice is perverted. God, why are you so inactive? So he's crying out to God in chapter one. God, where are you? And then God responds in chapter one. And God tells Habakkuk, oh, Habakkuk, guess what? I, I've seen the wickedness all around. I've seen it. I, I know about it. And Habakkuk, guess what? I, I've noticed it and I'm doing something about it. Here's what I'm going to do. Did you know the Babylonians, right? The, this, this group of uh, this nation that is godless, this nation that is harsh, violent, scary. You, you know the Babylonians, right? Yeah, I'm going to use them. I'm raising them up and they're going to come into your homeland and ravage your homeland. They're going to haul you off, you and your families. You're going to be off into a foreign godless nation, this merciless group of men, they're coming. You're going to be divided from your friends, divided from your family, fathers and sons separated, husbands and wives separated, hold off. Your temple is going to be destroyed. People will be killed. The Babylonians are coming and, and, and they're going to take you against your will, pull you out of your homeland and take you to their, to their, this foreign nation, this foreign land where you will be captive slaves. Now just take, just take a second and just let that sink in. That, that is life altering news. That's, that's news that just knocks you down. And so Habakkuk responds to God in chapter one. He says, God, God, whoa, wait a minute. The Babylonians, like, I get the fact that we need discipline. And, and you know, I had a, a revival kind of in my mind. But the, the Babylonians, God, God, the Babylonians are worse than we are. They're more wicked than we are. Habakkuk says in uh, chapter 1, verse 13, your eyes are too pure to even look on sin. I think we know that verse. He's saying, God, God if you are just and you are good, how could this be the right way? This can't be the right way. 
A just and good God does not use a group of wicked men to judge less wicked men. And then God responds to Habakkuk in chapter two. The whole, that's God's whole response is in chapter two. And God tells Habakkuk, you know what? I'm going to judge the Babylonians, but, and this is the key to the whole book. Chapter two, verse four, um, the righteous will live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. That's the big idea, the hinge of the whole book. The righteous shall live by faith. Paul talks about that a whole lot more in the New Testament. So does the writer of Hebrews. But when he says Habakkuk, the just shall, I mean, the righteous shall live by faith. He's saying, Habakkuk, faith means that you trust me. You trust me and you take me at my bare word. You trust me and take me at my bare word. So what I say about myself, what I say about you, the promises I give you, you take them and you live by them. You believe them and trust them and you live by them. Despite the circumstance, despite how dark the time is, how dark the, the day is, you, Habakkuk, you by faith take me at my bare word about who I am, who you are, and the promises I made, and you live by them. You're not swayed. You're not swayed by worldly wisdom. You're not swayed by popular opinion or, or, pervasive, or, or persuasive reasoning. No, no. You cling and you believe my bare word, and you live by it. The righteous live by faith, and this is a, right, this is a faith that, that only God the Holy Spirit can birth, can bring, can give. So with that said, with this whole lot of emphasis on faith, what we see here in, in chapter three is Habakkuk's response. It's a song. This, the chapter three is a song. It's, Habakkuk, it's Habakkuk's response to God. And tonight, the, the thing I want to really highlight is we get a, a, a beautiful, beautiful picture of faith. A beautiful picture of faith in dark times. A wonderful picture of faith in, in, in the darkest of time because again, Habakkuk has received the worst of news, life-altering news. And here we see his response. A response, I tell you, is only a response of faith. And so with that said, I have two points tonight about this response we see, this, this, faith, this response in faith um, in dark times. Two points, um, two points, and, and um, they're both, the first one, you got to get the first one to get the second one, so, so just, just know that. The first thing I want us to see about what this faith looks like in tragedy, when we're in the midst of tragedy and confusion, what does this faith look like? Well, the first thing I want you to see is that human frailty, human frailty does not mean a lack of faith. Oh, that's so important. Human frailty does not mean a lack of faith. Look at verse 16. Habakkuk says, I hear. This news that I hear, my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. I mean, have maybe some of you have been there. You receive news so horrifying, it literally knocks you down. I mean, this is a description of, of, of just weakness and trembling and pain and suffering. But it doesn't mean a lack of faith. Just because you're weak in your flesh does not mean you've lost faith. That is so important for us as Christians as we are walking in the midst of pain and suffering. To know that it's okay to be human. It's okay to weep, to struggle, to suffer. 
I'll even go so far to say it's even okay to say things out of a, a hurting heart that you don't even mean. And, and that does not show, oh, you've lost faith. Faith does not mean that we're stoic in the face of pain and suffering. You know, faith does not mean, oh, I don't feel that or, or I'm good. <laughs> no, no, that, that didn't hurt me. That's not faith. That doesn't equal strong faith. Habakkuk was a man of God. And again, this is just a, a wonderful description of a man who is trembling and weak in his flesh. And the Bible gives us many examples of this. John the Baptist, the apostle Paul, Job. And I say this reverently and, and I almost ner- really nervously say this. Even Jesus. Jesus in his humanity in the garden of the Gethsemane, he is, we see him weak in his flesh. And we know Jesus did not lose faith. Human frailty, human weakness does not mean a loss of faith. And God knows our condition. Psalm 1 or 3 says that, that God, God knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And in and, and Hebrews, we say that we, we learn that Jesus sympathizes. He gets our weakness. God understands this about us. He's not calling us in the midst of suffering to be stoic. That's not our call as Christians. And by the way, for, for, you know, as we're emphasizing this whole life together thing, that means we're doing life on life together as believers. We need each other. And, 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 you know, as we're life together, that means that we'll, we will be walking with people who are dealing with pain and suffering. We're going to be walking along people in those situations. We're going to be trying to bear their burdens. And would we remember this? Because if we remember this, I, I think we'd be much more quick to weep and a lot less quick to give them some sort of heartless cliche statement that's nothing more than a knife to the heart. Human frailty, again, does not mean a lack of faith. That's the first thing. We've got to understand that because that leads us to the second point when we're looking at this picture of faith and darkness. Um, the second point is this. Yet we can rejoice. We can rejoice because we can rejoice in the object of our faith. We, yet we can rejoice in the object of our faith. Look at verses 17 through 18. It says this, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Right here, guys, we see, we see a description, a picture of the absolute worst. No means of food. No means of survival. And by the way, this description, there's nothing coming. It's not looking bright tomorrow. It's not looking bright next month. It's not looking bright for a while. This is the worst. And here... Habakkuk still doesn't have all of his answers, by the way. He doesn't have all of his why questions answered. And yet he still says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. My Even though he is trembling in the, to the fact where his bones feel like they're rotting. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, my God. How is that possible without all the answers? And he says, despite the worst of circumstances and circumstances that aren't getting better. How could he say that? Well, here, guys, we see a man who treasures God, the person of God, and not the gifts of God. Here's a man who has tasted and glimpsed 
the beauty and the splendor of the person of God. And, he, and here's the reason why he can rejoice. He can rejoice because even though his circumstances have changed and changed for the worse, God hasn't. Such a simple statement, but it's something that, that we have to remember that, that even though my circumstances have changed, God has not changed. He is still good. He is still loving. He is still merciful. He's still, these things that are going, they're, they're, I know that for my good, they're not for my harm. They're drawing me closer to him. They're for his glory. Circumstances change, but God does not change. And so I can still rejoice in the midst of my legs trembling and my flesh being weak and not having all the answers. I can still rejoice because of who God is and what God has done. That's what we see here from Habakkuk. He can rejoice because the object, the object of his faith, not the strength. We're not talking about the strength of his faith. We're talking about the object of of his faith. The object of his faith has not changed. The object of his faith is trustworthy. The object of his faith is altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to him. And so circumstances have changed, but God hasn't. So we, here we see a man, Habakkuk, who's saying, good or bad, God, you are my God. You are my shield. You are my portion. You are enough. You are my refuge, my strength. You are all I need. We see another picture of this, a similar picture of this in the book of Job. I think we're all familiar with Job. In the first part of Job, first chapter, we see there's a showdown between God and Satan. And Satan comes to God and he's making this accusation. This big accusation is this. Hey, God, you see Job? Yeah, Job worships you, follows you, submits to you because you give him stuff. He has health. He's wealthy. He's got a wonderful family. And let me tell you, God, you take the stuff away. And he won't follow you anymore. He'll curse you. Satan's big accusation to God is this, that your people follow you because of the stuff. And you take the stuff away. God, you alone, you just by yourself, you're not worthy enough for their praise and for them to follow. Guys, is that true of us? Is God just the means for stuff? Is he just the means for stuff? And, 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 If he is, well, well, then your faith and your God is stuff. Your faith is in stuff and your God is this stuff. And let me tell you, when the stuff is taken away, it's not going to be pretty. Or are you the place where you say, God, you and you alone are enough. You know, I've been married to my wife for two years and I I have to apologize to the junior high because I gave way, I gave way too many uh, marriage illustrations. I'm still kind of keyed up though. It's only been two years. So like, I'm just giving them left and right. So, so, Hey, I mean, y'all hear from me like once every five years. So why not lay one out in here? But, uh, but I, uh, I've been married for two years. And and when I made this commitment to Jenna, I made a commitment to her, to her. I, I didn't make a commitment to, to her beauty or, or to her health or to her, her mental capacity I didn't. And so, so should the moment come that she loses sanity through disease or through an accident or loses beauty through uh, accident, I still, by God's grace, I pray, will be committed to her. It won't be easy, it'll be hard, but I tell you this, I did not marry 
Jenna's beauty and her intelligence, I married her. Are we in a place right now, guys, where again, God, just God himself, is he enough? Or is it only God plus stuff? Are we in a place because we can say, God, you are not because of what, who you are and what you have done. You're more than enough. That's a picture of faith, a beautiful picture of faith. And we can say that in the midst of trembling and pain and heartache. Shane and Shane wrote this song. I like Shane and Shane. They wrote the song that says, this title, Though You Slay Me. And let me just read the chorus because I feel like this is a good little, uh, I feel like it could almost fit into this this text we just read. The chorus goes this, it goes like this. Though you slay me, speaking of God, though you slay me, yet I will praise you. Though you take from me, I will bless your name. Though you ruin me, still I will worship. Sing to the one who's all I need. So guys, listen this way. How, how, do we, how do we get to this? How do we grow into this? How does this happen? Um, I'm speaking to you like a, a room of believers and fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. What Habakkuk does in chapter three is he remembers and he rejoices. He remembers and he rejoices. First thing, guys, we have to do is we have to constantly remind ourselves, remember salvation. I mean, that's what Habakkuk does. Look at verse 18. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. We can only do this as Christians. We can only respond like this if we have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. But guys, we have to get to a point where we have to do this daily, where we are drilling the gospel into the deepest parts of our hearts so that we will be convinced that God does love us and that he is for us. We have to do that. We have to sit there and and remember in such a way, remember in such a way that we are rejoicing. If we just casually remember and we're not rejoicing, we haven't remembered it well enough. Second thing, when it comes to remembering and rejoicing, we must remember and rejoice in God's word and his promises especially his promises, guys. We must rehearse God's promises and cling to them, especially that promise and when going through the midst of, of darkness, that, 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 that promise that, that, that God, that Jesus will never leave us, never forsake us. And the reason why we know that is true is because God forsook Jesus on the cross because he was dying in my place for my sin. And because Jesus was forsaken by God, I will never experience even for a millisecond, not even for a millisecond, God forsaking me. I will always, God's presence will always be with me. He will never forsake me. Even in the darkest of times, we must cling to that and rejoice in it. Third thing, guys, we, we must remember and rejoice in our place, who we are and who God is. Let's just say like that. We must remember daily who God is and who I am. I must be reminded that God, you, you are God and you're a creator and you're Lord and you're a king. And, and me, I'm creation. I'm human. God, this is about you and it's not about me. Because everything that I, every, every aspect of life, everything that comes at me is telling me that this world, this life is all about me. 
And so I must remember, remember who I am and who God is. And I must remember it to such a way where I'm rejoicing in who God is. And then finally, we must daily confess, confess our idols that we are holding too closely because our, our hearts are just idol factories. We must examine ourselves daily and see what, what am I clinging to too closely right now? What do I need to confess? I love, I love the song, Come Thy Fount. That, that part where it says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Yeah, that's right. And so to constantly be confessing the things I'm holding to too closely to is so important. And so let's just end like this. Have you met this God, this God of Habakkuk? Have you met this God of Habakkuk? Are you in a place right now, even though right now you might be a little confused saying like, you know, I think I hope that I could do that, but I'm not sure. And hey, I'm there with you. But you're in a place where something within you is crying out, yes, God, you are enough for me. You alone, is what, that, that's all I need. Take everything. Though you slay me, though you take, I will still worship and follow. Because you are enough. Because of who you are, you are splendid. You're glorious. And because what you've done for me through Jesus, yes, I can trust you. Yes, I will follow you regardless, regardless of my lot. Are we in a place where we can, there's something in us that says, yes, that's us. Well, praise be to God because that can only happen through his grace by the power and work of the Holy Spirit. But if not, guys, I'm I'm just letting you know, you cannot follow God and something else. You can't serve two masters. You just can't. And so I think a good place to just how to, the response should be just conf- confession, repentance. And for some of us, maybe, maybe actually salvation. Because maybe it's like, oh, I, God, I, I need to trust you for you. So I'll close this in prayer. And, and I really am privileged and honored to be here with y'all tonight. So Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for how you don't hide tough things like this from us. You show them to us. You, you, you address our, our deepest and darkest and, and most painful of questions. And Father, you don't leave us just guessing. And even though we don't have all the answers, and you don't give us all the answers. You give us enough. And we see from your word that, that you are good, that you are lovely, that you are, we can trust you. We know you love us by, by, by what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And so, Father, right now, we just want to confess the, the idols that we cling to too closely, the things that we have fallen too in love with. We, we admit and we proclaim you are enough. You are good. And, Father, whatever the circumstances that we have coming at us, We know you are unchanging and that you are good today and you are good tomorrow. Would you strengthen our faith? Would you reveal yourself to us? We thank you for the work that you have done 
and the work that you have promised to complete to do in us. We pray for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.